Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Colossians, the New Testament book of Colossians and Colossians in chapter number three, the book of Colossians and chapter number three. We're continuing with this series of Colossians and starting to get towards the tail end. We're in the practical side of this, where the Apostle Paul took a lot of time to say, look up Christ, look at Christ, learn of Christ, know of Christ. And now, since the teaching of looking at Christ, we're seeing the practical application. Since we're looking at Christ, how does that affect us? How do we respond? What should we do with that? And we've seen quite a bit so far in the book of Colossians chapter number three. And now we build upon that thought some more as we turn again to Colossians chapter number three. Colossians chapter three, and if you don't mind, look with me starting at verse number 15. The book of Colossians chapter three and verse 15. It says this, and let the peace of God, which a rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts towards the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word and deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Colossians chapter 3? The book of Colossians chapter 3, and notice with me in verse 16, where it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly richly. And with this, we're going to place an emphasis here because we're looking up at Christ. We could see that our response should be letting the word of God, word of Christ dwell in us richly. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the privilege of being here today to open up your Bible, to learn more about you. And again, we're asking that you would make it practical, make it part of our everyday life. Let it just motivate us even more to have a desire to be in your word, seeing the importance of it and the benefits of it, glorifying you. Again, you help draw people close to you and let them have this decision that they would let your word dwell in their heart richly. Again, fill me with your spirit that you would guide and direct and get things done exactly the way that you want them accomplished. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. The sister companion book to the uh, epistle of Colossians is the book of Ephesians. For those of you who don't know that, that may be something to note, that Ephesians and Colossians are companion books. What do we mean by this? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote both of them at the same time. Both of Ephesus and Colossae are nearby each other. They were carried together by the same messenger. The uh, 
Apostle Paul had sent these two letters. And as he's writing both of these letters, it makes sense that if he has something in mind as he's writing one letter, he's going to have probably some of those same things in mind as he writes the other letter. So because of this, they are companion books. And there are many parts of Ephesians and Colossians where you could take and examine together. And as you compare scripture with scripture, you could see that they complement each other, they add to each other, and they give each other better understanding as you look at them together. The passage that we're just read in the book of Colossians, chapter number three, verses 15 through 17, has a sister companion in the book of Ephesus. In fact, I want you to hold your place here and then turn with me to the book of Ephesians and let's look at these together. We're going to stay in the book of Colossians, but we do want to see how similar these two passages are, the book of Ephesians, chapter five. By the way, if you're in Colossians, you turn to the next book back you have Philippians, and then you'll have the book of Ephesians. So just a couple pages back for most of you, a handful, four or five pages, but you come to the book of Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, and notice if you don't mind, as we look together, starting at verse number 18, notice how similar these two passages are. In verse number 18, it says, be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for the things of God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice with me, keep your hand here, turn back to Colossians and look with me. Verse number 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So notice in verse 20 and uh, of Ephesians, Ephesians 5.20, and, and the book of Colossians 3.17, it deals with the idea of thankfulness. Those are the same. Notice in verse uh, Ephesians 5.19 and the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, it deals with the idea of singing to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody or grace into your hearts. But the thing that shows a little contrast in verse number 18, Ephesians 5.18 at the very end, it commands us, and by the way, it is a commandment to be filled with the Spirit. But if you look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So when we look at this, the singing's the same, making melody in your heart's the same, making, um, being thankful's the same, but the difference is in the Ephesians passage, we're to be filled with the Spirit. In the book of Colossians, we're filled with the Word of God. Now, does this mean it's a contradiction? Does it mean it's an error? Does it mean it's different information? This is the same information. What do we learn by comparing these two scriptures? This statement here. You cannot, 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 cannot. You cannot be a spiritual person without first being a scriptural person. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, you cannot do it if you're not first filled with God's Word. These two are connected. You cannot divorce a spiritual life from a spiritual life. 
Anyone who pretends to be spiritual and not reading in the Bible, I've got news for you, you're not spiritual. If you are just reading a couple verses, you are not spiritual. May I dare say if you're just reading a chapter, you are not spiritual. But pastor, I work really hard to reading my verse. Uh, You may be. But notice again, and you could go ahead and just stay in the book of Colossians. Notice what it says, if you don't mind, the book of Colossians chapter 3. It says in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Notice here we have a couple things. Let the word of Christ dwell. The word dwell carries with it the word abide or to live. God wants you to have his word living in here. Is God's word alive in you? Now, we know the Bible's alive. That living word could be placed into us, and it could be alive to us. Is the Bible a dead book? Is it just words on a page? Is it just black and white? It should be a living book. How can you tell if it's a living book? You want to know more! If you find yourself constantly sleeping in church, I'm going to tell you you're not a spiritual person. There should be something to it that should live in you. And God's word, if it's inside of you, wants more of God's word inside of you. There's something in it that you want more. By the way, I'm working on um, the messages in Corinthians for next year already. And one of the things about the Corinthian church is that they had the apostle Paul. Can you imagine having the apostle Paul as your teacher? having access to the apostle Paul to ask him questions to learn from him. And you know how the Corinthian church response was? He's boring. I don't like his stuff. He's not as good as Apollos. Apollos, you know, is more exciting. Paul, he's boring. Always wants to talk about doctrine. So with that in mind, was the Corinthian church a spiritual church? Not at all. Why? The word of God wasn't alive in them. They didn't want to hear more. They thought the word of God was boring. They just had to endure Paul to shut up and go. Can we get Apollos back in here? I mean, he was a good, exciting preacher. We, got, we loved his stuff. Ah, oh, but you want to just go through a book of the Bible and just walk it through? You want to talk to us more about the coming of the Christ? It's not the reaction you should have. Paul yelled at him for this and listen, you should be spiritual, but now I got to deal with you because you're carnal. I got to feed you a little stuff. The word of God is not dwelling in them. Notice the other qualifier here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's a pretty important word. We're supposed to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. The idea here is that it's not stingy. You've put a lot of it inside of you. You let the word of Christ dwell in you and it has full access in your life. Some people have their Bible reading where, all right, I got my Bible reading. I protected it. I read my couple minutes, checked it off, and now I don't have to worry about it all day. That's not dwelling in you richly. It's in a box that you set aside. It doesn't have access. It's not a part of your life. The, letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly means that it affects us on our day-to-day life. We're thinking about God's word. It's a part of us. It give, you know, you're, you use your brain power to think about a lot of things. During the day, you have times where you're maybe driving and you don't need brain power to drive. 
Some of us may use, need more brain power to drive than what we give to it. But we have free time. Maybe it's doing monotonous work. I mean, stacking boxes doesn't require a lot of brain power. Your brain's going to think about something. Maybe your brain says, well, I'm going to use this extra time to worry about tomorrow. Maybe I'm going to use this extra time just to freak out about the skies falling. Maybe I'm going to use this extra time to think about my favorite TV show. Maybe I'm going to use this extra time to think about, you know, we, we use our brain to use extra time and it, a lot of time it's wasted time. But let the word of Christ dwell in us richly means that we have it in here and it comes up and we enjoy thinking about it. It's something that stays with us and we look forward to having more that we could dwell and think about. So with this, we see in this passage here in Colossians that some of the things that have benefit us, some of the great advantages we have if, if the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. What are some things that we can have in our life if the word of Christ dwells in us richly? The first thing I'd like to show you is if the word of Christ dwelling in us brings us peace. The word of Christ dwelling in us brings us peace. Notice with me in verse number 15, Colossians 3 and verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you are called one body and be ye thankful. There are many passages in the word of God that teach the principle that when the word of God fills us, we will also have the peace of God. There is a correlation. The, the word of God gives such wonderful peace. It's one of the most wonderful things you could do to someone who is sick, ill, dying, who is a distress in mind. Stop using your own logic. Just read them the word of God. The word of God can bring such peace. I cannot tell you how many people who are in a medical mental distress and just quote them Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And just quote them that passage. And it brings a peace. There's something about the word of God. The word of God brings peace. Now inside of us personally, if we want to be people of peace, we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Notice what it says again in verse 15. And the, let the peace of God rule. Notice that word rule. That word rule carries the idea of what we would say as an umpire. For those of you who know sports, you know what an umpire is. An umpire makes a ruling. An umpire is the one, if two people are having a disagreement, it's the one thing to stop that disagreement is to have an umpire. All right? So imagine baseball. Some of you may not know baseball, but let's just imagine you do. All right? So you have someone who takes a ball and he hits it with a bat and the ball goes. So what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to take the ball and they're supposed to get it to the base before the runner gets to the base. And so they have an umpire that is watching the whole time and his job is to call it safe or out. And so if you have the runner and the ball touching about the same time, there's going to be a conflict. I'm safe. You're out. You're safe. Out. You need an umpire who's going to settle that disagreement. Who's going to settle it. Stop. This is the final ruling. This is saying let the peace of God umpire or rule. 
it has the idea, this idea of let it umpire is one of continual action. So what does this all mean? Let it keep ruling. So when two sets of emotions or two opposite opinions clamor for control inside of us, does that happen? Yeah. So you know you have two natures. You have one nature that says, I want to be at peace. The other one says, no, the sky is falling. And you could just say, well, I'm going to defer to the sky is falling because it's louder. And just. But what you're supposed to do is say, stop. I'm going to let the word of God umpire. And let it make the decision of which emotion should take precedence. Which opinion should matter. Which decision should go. And you defer to what the umpire says. What the word of God says. The His peace settles the dispute. Now that sounds good. But does it really work? Well let's think about the context. Who's writing? Paul. Where is he writing from? Rome. What's he doing? He's in prison. In jail. Attached to a Roman soldier 24-7 on his way to stand before Nero for crimes he did not commit, waiting for people to come falsely accuse him. And he had the peace of God. So did it work for him? Was there times that his emotions wanted to act crazy? You bet. He was human just like we were. And yet he said, I'm going to let the peace of God make a ruling. I'm going to let it make the call and I'm going to let it decisions stand. God says it's going to be all right. So it's going to be all right. I know my emotions don't feel like it's going to be all right, but I'm going to trust God and I'm going to trust his word. And you know what happens? The peace of God will replace that panic emotion when you will let the peace of God rule. When you let the word of God rule. How do you get that peace of God, by the way? Being filled with God's word. The more of God's word that you could let dwell in you richly, the better you're going to hear that ruling. And the better you're going to be able to defer, listen, I'm going to let the umpire make the decision. It says peace. We're choosing peace. We're letting him make the call. Does that kind of help a little bit illustrate? There's a choice to be made. We could use sky is falling or let the peace of God rule make the decision. And we choose the decision that God does. Now, if you haven't been in your Bible, it is very harder to have the peace of God rule. It is much easier to let our emotions or our wrong opinions. This happens not only for emotions, but our thinking. There are times our thinking is contrary to God's word. And we let God's word make the umpire call, the peace of God make the umpire call, let the word of God, let the peace of God umpire rule in your heart. Make the decision. And you said, no, this is what God said. I don't feel like it's going to be all right, but God said it was going to be all right. So I'm choosing to believe him. He made the call. It comes from having the word of God dwelling within us. The word of God dwelling in us brings us a peace. The peace of God was ruling Paul's heart and the peace of God can rule our heart. But We need to let the word of God dwell in us richly. Why are so many Christians don't have peace? The word of God's not dwelling in them. 
In fact, you get around people long enough, you could almost say, you know what, you need to go in your Bible. You've been out of your Bible for a while. I could tell by the way your emotions are acting up. Go read your Bible. When I start acting up, I need to get my Bible. My family's known that. Other days, that, listen, I'm having a bad day. I need to get to my Bible. Why? I need the word of God to dwell in me to umpire, to overrule what I'm feeling, which I know I shouldn't be feeling. To overrule my thinking, which I know I shouldn't be thinking. This is one of the benefits of having the word of God dwelling in us richly. There's a second benefit of having the word of God dwelling in us richly is that the word of God dwelling in us through biblical music. How do we get the word of God into us anyways? Well, there's many ways that we can get the word of God to dwell in our hearts. We could read it. We could study it. We could memorize it. We could meditate on it. We could quote it. We could live by it. We could hear sermons. We could make decisions by it. Another way to get the word of God to dwell in us is through music. Psalms are the words of scripture. Notice what it says in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So how do we teach and admonish each other the word of God? In Psalms. Psalms are the actual words of scripture. They carry with it the um, meaning um, of it. Psalms are also dealing with instrumental music. Psalms are a very big place. They're part of the Old Testament and they do a lot to help get the word of God inside of us. Hymns are praise to God. That's why they're called hymns, by the way. They're all about him. Spiritual songs are songs of testimony where we're bragging on what God has done for us. So we have the Psalms, which are the actual words of music. We have the hymns, which teach us things about him, teach us doctrinal things. And we have spiritual songs, which are a testimony talking about what God has done for us and with us. These songs can help solidify the doctrine that we teach in the word of God. That's why we stick with the old fashioned hymns. Let's take something like Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I've found. I was blind, but now I see. What did that? What made the change? It was God's amazing grace. It wasn't my efforts, my works. It was God and God alone. The Bible speaks about at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. It's a testimonial song that Mr. Towner had wrote about himself. He said, listen, there was a time I didn't want to know about God, but God did something and he changed me. And by the end of the song, he's saying, by God's word at last, uh, my sin I learn. Then I trembled at the law I spurn. He went to say, it's at Calvary that I learned all of these things. We speak about the blood. We have a lot of songs about the blood. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. These songs help put the word of God in our heart. That's why we encourage people to go with these songs. Martin Luther was one of the old reformers. And because of his doctrine of the priesthood of the believers, he understood that the common people should sing in worship. Martin Luther wrote 37 chorals or hymns for his congregation to sing and thus become the father of evangelical hymnology. Martin Luther realized the significant role that music can play within the life of the Christian um, 
life of a Christian. He said, music and notes, which are wonderful gifts and creation of God, do help better or help gain a better understanding of the text, especially when sung by a congregation and sung earnestly. We have put music to the living and holy word of God in order to sing praise and honor it. We want the beautiful art of music to be properly used to serve her dear creator and his Christians. He is therefore praised and honored and we are made better and stronger in faith when his holy word is impressed in our hearts by sweet music. And of course, Martin Luther gained this idea from the word of God right here in this passage that the word of God dwell in our hearts richly. How? By psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. To teach and admonish each other, teaching us the word of God. This is why we're running this children's choir. Why? We're trying to get the word of God into them. They're memorizing scripture. And the songs that they're singing are scripture songs. They're actually singing the very songs of scripture. We're trying to get them to have this in there. It's why we try to teach them as early as we can these wonderful hymns to teach them these wonderful songs so they can learn these truths. Songs are one of the ways to get God's word to dwell in us richly. By the way, it won't happen with 7-Eleven songs. What's a 7-Eleven song? It's seven words sung 11 times. It just becomes watered down and wrote. It doesn't teach any doctrine. We need to have something that actually teaches us something about God's word. Notice there's one more thing about the word of God dwelling us. The word of God dwelling in us will also bring us to thankfulness. The word of God dwelling in us will bring us to thankfulness. Notice with me in verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed. So whatever you do, whether it's something you say or something you actually do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Notice, whatsoever we do, we're supposed to do in the name of God. Our working, our normal everyday job should be done to the glory of God. <clears throat> Driving to work should be done to the glory of God. Taking our lunch break should be done to the glory of God. Because God is worthy. We need to be keeping our eyes on him. Remember, this is the whole context in the first place. Now, we know that's easier said than done. How do we do that? Letting God's word dwell in us. By the way, how, what is it that could turn this around to make it so we're doing things to the glory of God? Being thankful. And verse number 15, it ends with, and be ye thankful. And verse 17, it says, give thanks to God by the Father, by him. How can you tell if you're, if you're really doing it for God's glory? Are you thankful? Lord, thank you for allowing me to work this job today. Lord, thank you for the lunch break that you have allowed me to enjoy. Lord, thank you for the vehicle that I could drive here. Thank you for allowing me to live here and drive home in this place. We should be thankful in all of those things. But we're usually not. How do we know? We're grumpy and complaining, yelling at the people who just cut us off, yelling at the stupid workers who won't do their job around us, yelling at the people who's messed up our time schedule when we think should go. We're not thankful. How do you become thankful, by the way? Letting God's word dwell in us richly. Whenever you're at the place where you're no longer thankful, it's probably because you ran out of the Bible. If you, everyone digs a well and fills it up with the word of God. Your secret is to, to dig a deep well that's filled up and doesn't run dry. 
If you have a small well that you've dug, well, that well can run dry pretty quickly. It's one bad day and you've lost your Christian testimony. That's not good. We need to go be able to go to that well often because we filled it up with God's word. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. So using that illustration of a well, how deep of a well do you have? Not recommending, but could you live a full week with the Bible that you have in you without using your whole testimony? Can you still be thankful? I mean, you should dig a deep well because there's things that happen. Surgeries, busy times. You need to have it dug deep enough that you could survive if something does happen. Letting the word of God, now I'm not giving you excuses not reading your Bible, but we understand life happens. And if you can't survive one hour without reading your Bible, without losing your stuff, you don't have a deep well. Dig it deep. Water it often. Thirst for God's word. If you get to the place where you find my message is boring, then there's probably something wrong. Now, I understand I'm not no Paul the apostle, but we have some substance here. Oh, just got to endure another one of his messages. Why don't you shut up? There's probably something wrong with your Bible reading. Do you still crave? If you have more of God's word in you, you want more into you. The Bible talks about the word of God multiplying. What has happened? Does that mean more of God's word? No, it's more of people with God's word in their heart. And if you've got God's word in your heart, you want more. It wants more. That's why I don't understand someone who says, well, I read my five verses today. I'm good. <coughs> okay. You're in dangerous, dangerous territory. You need God's word every day because it has benefits. If nothing else, having the peace of God ruling in our heart, that's a great benefit. Because there's a lot of non-peaceful things in our everyday life. We look forward to Sundays where you get away from the muck and mire, but in Monday's right there around the corner. By the way, Christians shouldn't have to hate Mondays. I know the world jokes about that, but it shouldn't be a dreaded thing for us. Why? Because we're doing it all to the glory of God. God's allowed me to go to work. Praise the Lord for it. Praise the Lord, I get to wake up and go to school if that's what God's given you to do. You don't have to be miserable about waking up on a Monday morning. You're like, I'm getting quiet now. All right. You, this talking about letting God's word dwell in us, it changes us. It can overrule emotions. It doesn't say it eradicates emotions. It gets to the place where your emotions can be ruled and overruled and say, stop thinking like this. Stop feeling like this. Because you're filled of God's word. You can get God's word in your heart by having good music. If your music doesn't teach the Bible, it's not good music. And then as the God's word fills us, it is much easier to be thankful. To be thankful about everything that we have. So whatever we do in word or deed, we could do it all to the word of God, to the glory of God. One more thing I want to put an emphasis on back in verse 16. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. May I push another emphasis? The dwelling in your heart with all wisdom carries the idea of now that I heard God's word, what am I going to do with it? It's making the application. Just hearing God's word and doing nothing with it doesn't bring these benefits. What are you going to do about it? 
because you heard this message now. I'm not expecting people to say, well, now I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm assuming you've already read your Bible, but you should still do something with this. Maybe it motivates you to say, you know what, I'm going to add some more of my Bible reading. If I've been reading five verses, maybe I'm, or five chapters, not verses, five chapters, maybe I could read six chapters. Maybe instead of 10 minutes, I read 15 minutes. It should do something that's practical, something that you can get done, but it should do something. I want to learn more. I want to know more. Maybe it's something that I want to learn more about the Bible. What can I do to learn more about God's word, to learn more about this? Many people have said, I've read the book of Colossians a bunch of times. I never got all of this out of there. I didn't know this was all in there. This is great. Well, you should get to the place where you said, I want to learn more like this. I want every book of the Bible to open up like this. I want to learn it for myself. And there's tools for you to do so. So where are you on that well? Do you have a deep well? Is it shallow? Are you filling it up all the time? Or do you wait till it gets dry bone dusty and then decide to throw a couple drops in there every now and again? Let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly, richly. If the description was for you about God's word dwelling in your heart, what descriptive terms would it be given for your life? Let the word of Christ dwell in me stingily. Let the word of Christ sprinkle itself upon my heart. Let the word of Christ um, dry of, uh, die of dehydration. Let the word of Christ dwell in my heart's richly. Maybe it's dwelling in you, but maybe it doesn't have that last modifier of richly. Could you say that of your own Bible reading, of your own walk with the Lord, that the word of God is dwelling in you richly? We say, what do you mean by richly? Well, most of us know what poorly is like. It's the opposite of that. What would you consider rich? probably more than you got. Don't let it be poor. Let it be rich. You give it everything it wants and everything it needs. Let it dwell in you richly. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.